It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 153, entitled There's Always Hope. It was recorded on Monday the 8th of March 2021. I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host Paul Lacey, but also this week by Birgit Paulie Hack, and slightly later than expected, Spencer Foreman drops in about an hour into the show. We talk a lot about a particular article. The very first one, which consumes most of the show, is an article all about Elementor raising eyebrows with the Google ads that they've been producing recently. We then go on to talk about Munir Kamal's Editor Plus and the way that you can now use it to create template libraries. We then get into a conversation about AI and voice technology around Amazon Alexa and other rival products. And we talk about how Bitcoin, the Bitcoin mining network, is using more power than the entire country of Argentina. There's a lot more tagged on towards the end as well, but I highly recommend the show to you. I hope that you enjoy it. This Week in WordPress is brought to you by Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that ensures simplicity, performance, and security. It offers cloud servers from five different cloud providers that you can manage through its intuitive platform. Some of the features include 24-7 support, free migrations, and dedicated firewalls. Check it out at cloudways.com. And by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time? like in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress Block Editor. You can check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello there. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in WordPress. We're on number, good grief, 153. And I'm joined, as always, by Paul. How are you today, Paul? Doing good, thank you very much, Nathan. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I'm good. You've got a yeah. nice um, background. There's uh, there's been there's been changes. A wall with two holes in it is <laughs> definitely an improvement on last time. So <laughs> it's nice. It's really nice. It's nice to see you. Anyway, nice to have you have you back. Paul is, of course, the co-host um, of this show. I don't know why I introduce him. Uh, really, Paul, you should be introducing me. I think you're doing a a, a better should job at reading off on the try back. Try that next stories. week. Yeah, Let's yeah, okay. next week. yeah. I'll introduce you. See how it yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. Do I get paid more? Uh, get... Well, you can. Yeah, a hundred percent of nothing is still nothing. Cool. I like, <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Today we're also joined by Birgit. How are you doing, Birgit? I'm. I'm okay. I'm okay. Thank you for uh, for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a wonderful morning in Florida. Ah, <laughs> is that where you are? Just, Yes. I had yeah. forgotten that. I had totally forgotten that you were in Florida. You've got the most impressive. You look very knowledgeable. Uh, Birgit's background, for those of you that are listening, <laughs> is just one of, it's like an academic's background. as row upon row of intellectual looking books. Paul's got a white background and I've got children's books just there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my background's going to change because I'm going to move. Yeah, we're Ooh. moving. We've just signed. We are almost ready to sign the lease in a different town in Florida still. But uh, Nice. Yeah. Very so the next nice. month is going to be really, yeah, yeah um, 
uh, dominated by packing those okay. books mm. well, <laughs> into boxes well, and then maybe, maybe if we them. have you on at some point in the future it, yeah there'll be there'll be the same might shelves but they'll be empty might... <laughs> <laughs> sorry you can have... ask a question um florida is is that an what you call an open state at the moment in terms of all the shops and the restaurants and stuff or is florida closed <laughs> what's the situation well, there there's the the governor said he's not going to mandate masks, but some counties right. did and some municipalities do. And we have been yeah, kind of self-isolating for oh. um, almost a year. Tomorrow is going to be a year. Damn. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's perfectly <laughs> um, all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's uh, uh, restaurants are open Yeah, with social distancing and um, – yeah, but and there's a lot of snowbirds coming down here. It's the time of season, but the, the economy is still not uh, back to season yet. It's about half uh, when I when you listen to tourism people uh, in the area. It's yeah. um, all the Europeans are kind of missing, and most of the United States tourists. Yeah. Yeah, so. We're well, still, in, we're still in lockdown, aren't yeah. we? And over here in the UK, and we've got um, the children went back to school today. Today. So yeah, first day back today. Yeah. yeah. I can only apologize in advance. Um, uh, uh, somebody who I've agreed would come and do some work on my house at uh, about an hour and a half from now uh, has decided, whilst I was introducing myself a minute ago, to come now. And, and so they're banging things. So what I'm going to have to do is, whilst I'm not speaking, I suspect I'll have to put myself on mute. So I, if you can hear it, I apologize. If you can't, then it doesn't really matter. But if there's a load of banging, then I apologize about that. Just, I, all... I've got to ask, right, um, Birgit, how did you get the three-letter Twitter handle? Because you've got at BPH. Like, you must have been about the fourth person to use Twitter or something. <laughs> well, um, I started Twitter in 2008. I have my 13th year of Twitter, so it was very early. And, um, yeah, not everybody kind of gets that. The smaller that is, the better the handle would be. But I thought, okay, well, I'll just try it if it's there. And it's there. And I didn't get it on Instagram. Um, so it's a different three-letter on Instagram. Did, did, but that's. Did, did you hear this week that Jack Dorsey has sold a tweet <laughs> Did you see yeah. that? Jack Dawson yeah, sold the yeah, first ever the... tweet on the Twitter platform. And I think it said something like, I'm just trying out my Twitter or something like that. So the first tweet. And somebody's paid $2.5 million to have the metadata rewritten so that it's theirs. Yeah. yeah. You just think, it's, good grief. It's all. Yeah, this whole NFT um, movement sounds like a um, yeah, huge speculation kind of thing. But it might be the beginning of something that we will talk about in 15 years. Yeah. But uh, being the first is so much, um, yeah, something that rich people really want. <laughs> but what, what possible, what possible use could you put that to? I mean, is he, uh, is that person able to overwrite what was written in that tweet? Do they get to edit it or? No, what? no, no. What they could use, they can use it uh, on, uh, they, they own it so they can license it out for, um, reprinting for putting it on t-shirts for just kind of it's that's not a copy it's the original kind of thing and with all the digital um, properties that are out there yeah that can be copied over and over and over again yeah being it images be it uh, content having a, a blockchain attached to it that that makes it the original 
um, is uh, maybe something that uh, people would aim for, especially artists um, and poets or yeah, writers um, that can be yeah, and using blockchain. When um, there's one in the uh, in the WordPress community, I think his name is Stefan, um, and I don't pronounce his last name, but he's from Holland and he has his WP oh, yeah, WP oh, or something like that. Wordproof. Yeah. Wordproof, right. right. Yeah. It's uh, pretty much the same idea attaching a blockchain um, token to uh, a content to say, okay, this is the original. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very strange. I mean, I suppose it's akin to having a classic car in the garage, which you never actually drive and it probably right. can't even drive. You just own it. Mm. And yeah, it's you not just own yeah, you just own it. Um, the, the banging <laughs> is getting louder and louder. So sincere apologies. You don't hear it. No, you don't at the minute because it's just stopped <laughs> as soon as I unmuted my mic. So that's good. <laughs> However, as is so often the case, this week in WordPress, we've gone totally off and we've started talking about Twitter. So I should should probably just introduce what we do and how we do it and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's the wrong button. Let me just add that back in again. There we go. That's what I wanted to do. I should also say that we we were supposed to be being joined by a, a gentleman called Spencer Foreman, and uh, it may be that he's he's going to join us at some point. You know, he may have been delayed or something. I'm not entirely sure. But if he pops in during the call, then at least you know that that voice is Spencer Foreman. So I should probably say that right off the top. So we are WP Builds. We produce WordPress content. This is our homepage. We've got a subscribe link right at the top, just sort of there. And that gets you to, well, as you'd expect, our subscribe page. On that page, you can sign up to our newsletters. Probably the most useful things are joining our Facebook group or using these links to subscribe on your favorite podcast player and so on and so forth. We also have a bit of a news archive, and this is where we store. It's called This Week in WordPress Video. This is where we store all the content. The content that you're just listening to right now gets repurposed as a podcast episode tomorrow morning, and we make a, make a video out of it and keep it on YouTube. So you can find all of those there if you're interested. And lastly, we've got a, a deals page just here, which is a searchable, filterable list of WordPress deals. And uh, thus far, I haven't removed any. They've been there 24-7. Um, although one of them apparently failed this week, but the owner reached out and said he's going to reinstate it. So that should be good. So that's wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. Right, enough about that. Let's get on to the actual WordPress news. Each week, Paul and I have a bit of a natter on a Friday, uh, usually, about what we're going to talk about. And so div divvy up the, the stories. Um, and Paul's going to take the first one, which is on WP Tavern. Yeah, this is an article by uh, Sarah Gooding. And um, it's entitled Elementor Raises Eyebrows with Google Ads Targeting Full Site Editing. So it's talking about uh, Elementor creating Google Ads targeting the phrase full site editing. So for anyone who doesn't really know, uh, full site editing is one of the new things in production or in development at the moment with the core team at WordPress.org, uh, whereby they're trying to create a system where you can edit the headers, the footers, and basically just create an entire theme um, using the block editor. And uh, But to give a bit of context on this article, first of all, I'm going to try my best to give a kind of context of what this article is about, and then also um, try to uh, chop it up a little bit into something that I feel I've read into this article about something a little bit deeper, and I could be wrong, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. So apologies if I don't do a good job with this, but I'm I'm gonna try my best here. Um. So anyway, the article starts off by talking about um the a couple of weeks ago 
Bluehost was in a bit of trouble for use, misusing the WordPress uh, trademark. And the article is talking about how with the um, new stuff that's coming into WordPress and the very, very um, expansive changes that are coming to, to WordPress that it's moving itself into other areas where it does overlap with um, commercial products. So there's a lot more sensitivity around the advertising that um, other companies might use or even what uh, Automatic might use itself. So the, that that idea of who can use the WordPress trademark, who should use these key keywords or not those keywords has kind of come up again because there is some friction between different factions of, of WordPress community as such in that. Now, what's really cool is uh, we've got Birgit here today who's mentioned in the article and um, because I think it was you, Birgit, who highlighted this in the post status Slack community that you noticed or somebody in your network noticed that uh, Elementor, the page builder, had started targeting the phrase WordPress full site editing. So if you Googled WordPress full site editing, you would see an advert, for instance, saying introducing full site editing, design your header footer. And not only that, there was another advert uh, put out by Elementor that um, was a visual advert, I think. I'm not sure if it's a Facebook ad or something like that. And it talks about, um, it says, WordPress frustrationless Elementor. And it says, can you imagine how great the WordPress experience could be if it was user-friendly and intuitive? We did. It's called Elementor. Now, these two things might not be actually intrinsically linked in terms of um, this being a, a perceived um, uh, shot across the bow or an attack on the, the core aspects of WordPress and trying to belittle the efforts of the uh, the core teams as such. But the fact is, um, the article does talk about a bit of tit for tat about who came up with the phrase first. Um, who used the phrase first? Should this phrase be used by Elementor? Does and then and then it goes into the comments at the end. There's a lot of disagreement and arguments around. Well, um, who says that full site editing is a phrase that no one can can use because full site editing is a feature? And then some of the other comments are talking about. Um, well, automatic is using WordPress dot you know on on WordPress dot com, so that's surely hypocritical and everything. Um, I will pass over to you in a minute, uh, Birgit, because you, you're in this and you, you know a lot more about this than, than we do because you're talking to these people. But I just wanted to make a wider point, if I can, that it does seem to me that um, the WordPress core is moving into an area um, that completely overlaps with a very lucrative and large sub uh, community of third, third sector product, which is the, the page builder, essentially, and even potentially the theme. And it seems to me that there's no way that you can look at that if you were if in the, the boots of the Elementor or the Beaver Builders or the Divis and all those different page builders and say, core is threatening our well-being. So I think a lot of the comments at the bottom are kind of saying, well, they've every right to do it. They're a commercial product. And then the other thing that makes me slightly concerned about uh, things is that let's say you work at Elementor and there is the, the team at the core WordPress are you know saying that your product isn't very good or something like that. There's almost nobody sitting in the Elementor offices, the actual staff, the people designing the product who are going to be affected by that. 
the thing that concerns me a little bit, and Birgit, you might have a, a better idea on this, is that I feel that the core team at WordPress uh, have been under severe pressure and under a lot of scrutiny and criticism for at least two years now. So if you if you go if you log into your WordPress dashboard and you go into the plugin section, you'll see uh, classic editor five stars, six million, however many people are using it. Then you'll see the Gutenberg project. Uh, two stars and lots of you know bad reviews. You'll see page builders um, protecting their right to be you know the best user interface, etc. Entire sub communities laughing at uh, the block editor, saying how ridiculous it is. How how, but then you've got other factions who are saying it's great. My point is on that is that I feel like the people who are working, these volunteers who are working super hard in here, are they feeling? The stress of this now are they feeling under attack and are they feeling quite upset about this in a way that is almost unfair that they're in that position without the protection of a commercial company looking out for them and giving them an anonymity anonymity i can't do it nathan an- anonymity thank you <laughs> so th- sorry to t- chuck out literally a million points there but that was my thoughts on the article what the article is and then I just wondered, is there something deeper about the mental health of the overall contributors to WordPress core that is starting to really feel a bit beaten up? Um, so, Birgit, over to you. You're in the article. I don't know if you could answer any of my concerns there, whatever. <laughs> well, I might not remember all of them, but I'm, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I start out with, uh, so I, I worked with, um, so on the Gutenberg Times, we, we published a lot about the full site editing and talked with the team people um, that are on the team, on the themes team and on the, um, on the core editor team. Um, about how this is going to be. And we started early in 2019 about it. And um, so now is the time where we also had um, Anne McCarthy head out the the call for questions, what you need to know about full-site editing. And we were just about to edit the 47 questions and answers on Google Doc. And I thought, okay, well, I just kind of see who else is writing about it or... Um, and I, uh, I literally put in WordPress full site editing in the search bar. And the first thing I saw was the ad of Elementor, where I said, okay, so that seems a little bit shady. And I put it into a Slack channel on post status. And then somebody asked me back and asked, okay, why do you think it's shady? It seems to be really um, legitimate. And I said, okay, yeah, sure. If Elementor and Beaverbill are uh, kind of chuck it out on the um, on the Google Ads. That's totally fine with me. But all both of them standing on the shoulders of giants and um, diverting uh, users who want to learn more about full site editing in WordPress to their own product is a bit shady. It has nothing to do with copyright or something like that. Um, but it's also and I come from um, twenty years on the internet. Uh, Google is 1998 uh, came out with a search engine and we know that at least 30% of the people that search on Google don't know that the first results are ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and So it's literally diverting the interest um, of somebody who wants to learn about how WordPress is going to be to Elementor. And it's nothing 
it's not a, a legal position that I have. It's just kind of um, some, with that, um, Elementor is diverting um, the, the, the information flow, so to speak, that comes through Google um, to the WordPress new feature. Somebody wants to learn about it to their own um, pages. And I'm, I just, yeah, it's kind of shady. And I know I come from a country where uh, comparative advertising is frowned upon. It's actually illegal. So our, the, I think I have it still in my back of my head that that's a little bit shady. Um, that American business is totally different. I totally get it. But I also see that, um, so Robert Jacoby also uh, picked up on it and he quoted uh, Matt Mollenbeek, who also showed up in the channel a couple of days later. And Matt um, said or wrote, um, I think Elementor would be successful even if you didn't look. So he addressed it to Penn. Um, ben Pines, who he invited into the uh, from Elementor, so he addressed it to that. I think Elementor would be successful even if you didn't look at the names and features Gutenberg is launching, then try to co-op them into marketing. Full set editing is not a widespread generic industry term. Um, inside or outside of the WordPress community. Uh, and that was an argument that Elementor had on the article and, and Sarah wrote that. It, I actually preferred, Matt says uh, further, I actually preferred the terms you used before, theme builder, design system. So you copied something that is probably worse. And it's not a trademark thing, just a common decency thing, especially when building a business on top of an all good faith collaborative effort that has created WordPress. Your Elementor are on 7 million sites. You raised $15 million. You claim to be the number one free WordPress website builder. And it would be a good time to stop trying to undermine the community efforts in the same space. And we go further when we work together instead of engage in Intersonine warfare. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> a good wording. But uh, it's kind of um, so. Uh, I think that's the the heart of the matter is that every business, and I'm part of it. Yeah, I I have built websites um, for the last ten years on top of WordPress. I probably made seven dollar figures of it of the last ten years. In the first four years, I wasn't worried about community or something like that. Only when I got to a WordCamp in 2014 and interacted with everybody in the community, or not everybody, of course, the millions, yeah, but in that on that WordPress uh, with the speakers, with the volunteers, and all that, there is a huge effort behind it that. Um, any business is good to support and not kind of dive, yeah, kind of undermine it. The, I don't think there's a real uh, business value for Elementor co-opting that keyword, yeah, because diverting that is the interest. The people wanna learn something about WordPress and it's full set editing, not Elementor. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they would have put in Elementor full-site editing and not WordPress full-site editing. So there was just a small thing that kind of um, I find interpret how Elementor sees themselves in WordPress. It might be the better WordPress. And I don't have a problem with saying, okay, you're frustrated with WordPress. Go to 
uh, yeah, Elementor, that's totally valid. Yeah, it's hard to do WordPress um, as a user and, and, and build your site with it up until now. That was totally fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that because it doesn't undermine somebody um, working on it now. And I, the, if you ever uh, connected with uh, the a barrage of criticism on Gutenberg. That's now four years. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, I I think everybody handled that very well on the team. Uh, but it's just kind of the that one thing where I say, okay, it shows how marketing is thinking and mm-hmm. uh, seeing WordPress as a competition rather than um, the basis of the build building uh, st- um, blocks. So pardon the pun. Um, the building blocks of their own business yeah? and uh, giving back to the business would really um, kind of, yeah, make it a much better uh, way to go forward. Yeah. It's um, There was an awful lot of comments, wasn't there? There's 23 comments. And as you can imagine, it sort of split. I, I haven't, I, I read it when there was less comments and it, I can't remember the split, but there were definitely people on both sides. Some people sort of saying it felt, like you were saying, beer getting other people looking on the other side. And it's quite interesting because the point that you made just a moment ago about the the advertising in, in America is I, I remember being in America for the first time and, and hearing, so there was a television advert and they would actually name the rival project, the rival product and denigrate it. They would actually say why their product was superior. And I remember thinking, boy, that's, that's not allowed. We're not. That's totally. That's completely illegal. And so there is that. But also, I suppose in 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 Google Ads, typically, if I mean, it's quite common, I think, to squat on the keywords of your competitors. But that's the thing, right? You are competitors. Let's say it's I don't know Squarespace and Wix. That would be an easy example for us to get. Squarespace wants to take every customer from Wix, and Wix wants to take every customer from Squarespace. But well, this is different. This is really different. Um, it's a different dynamic, isn't it? Because you've got a thing built on top of another thing, which makes it more complicated. Yeah, and if you watch any WordPress um, YouTube video, you always get a Wix ad. Yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, um, it's yeah. like the, the pe- but it's not Pepsi versus Coca Cola, as you said. Yeah, it's mm. uh, Coca Cola. Um, I don't know. It's kind of yeah, something sugar. Yeah. <laughs> versus sugar. Sugar. Yeah. Sugar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is difficult, and, and like you said, the sort of standing on top of. I, I, I guess, I guess, I, I can't really remember what Ben's arguments were. Um, I suppose he was trying to say that you know, just this is fair game. This is the commercial world that we live in, and so on. But um, yeah, really yeah. interesting debate. Yeah, it it was, and it's. Um, um, I I know that uh, the the efforts made that Matt and Ben are going to talk about things, um, hmm, and nice. I think the the point was that full site editing was something that they called a feature as well uh, but then um, uh, Justin Tadlock in the comments also said well when I, when we talked about the new version of Elementor 3.0 with them they never called it full site editing yeah, it's kind of it was kind of a, a yeah even in the discussion about it is there something um, not as tr- I, I don't want to say truthful because it probably he thinks it's right, yeah. But it's uh, it's just kind of a, a diverting, a, a rationale. Yeah, yeah. You had a cool idea, yeah. That turned out it's, that might not be that good idea, but you rationalize it afterwards to yourself. Mm. Yeah. And, mm. Um, mm. It, it's it's not. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, 
I think I said <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. Did yeah. you want to, Paul? Did you want to pursue the question of like the mental health? Uh, yeah, I just or... wanted to um, just first of all, I'd love to hear or watch um, a conversation between um, Ben Pines and Matt Mullenweg. Not not oh, a fight mm. kind of conversation. No. Just a can we can we talk on behalf of the people who think like us and then the other people who think like the other side of people because looking through the comments you can see some people are pointing out that well hang on a minute um matt mullenweg has uh wordpress.com and automatic and all these different products and it's there's a lot of money involved in this. Like this, you know, Elemental got 15 million. I think Automatic recently got like 300 million from Salesforce and who knows what else, you know, is um, is, is coming in. And um, no matter how you look at it, there will always, you know, Matt Mullenweg is always going to have um, multiple, uh, multiple um, ideas on the benefits of, of what his product does. I mean, some some politicians, for instance, will say, I'm making this tough decision because in the end it will be better for everyone else, but a lot of people will disagree with that. And there's easy, there's easy ways to sort of self-justify things. But um, I, I also saw some comments about, I don't necessarily agree with all these comments, but I'm just kind of presenting mm -hmm. like the, the uh, some, some of the arguments against what maybe what um, Matt and some of the other people might have said in... Um, in that kind of be you know sports sportsmanship um angle that because i know that a, a commercial product creator will will just say sorry you can't say that you got 300 million you got automatic you got this you got wordpress.com that uses the brand don't talk to me about playing playing fair because you're building on top of the giants of all those people well, that are building I, the, the products. Yeah, I want to say something to that because yeah. it came also up in the discussion on the um, post status was, you know, I don't, uh, Bluehost and Automatic, they do so much for the community. Yeah, and um, half of the team that builds Gutenberg is from Automatic, freed up for the .org team. Um, same with community team. Yeah, there are probably a hundred um, uh, sponsored contributors to WordPress uh, from Automatic. There are, um, yeah, I don't know, 20 from Yoast at uh, contributing. Bluehost helps with every WordCamp behind the scenes without getting any recognition for it. Um, there are contributors from Bluehost that do all the nitty-gritty grind work behind a release uh, on the core team. So uh, this is not an equal and a zero-sum game. Yeah. So if they take advantage of their involvement with WordPress, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But if some uh, company or some of the commenters there that have not done a single contribution to the business to WordPress and then trash it. It's a little bit ungrateful. I can mm. see that angle. 
Yeah. I can totally so see that angle, it, yeah. And, and, and yeah. that's the difference, yes. Uh, if you just talk about money, yeah, they might be right. But of course, Matt, mm. Matt Vonovic is the found co-founder of WordPress, yeah. Nobody else can say that. And nobody else should, yeah, kind of. And we all have businesses on top of WordPress, but there is um, a decency that needs to be come together to support the community effort on WordPress. Mm. So I, I get the argument, yeah, kind of, yeah, WordPress.com.org, the, there's a confusion and, yeah, uh, I get this, but I think the confusion only helped the whole industry, the whole, the pie gets bigger. And if any, yeah. uh, um, any effort is there and Elementor is part of it. Yeah, Elementor makes the pie go bigger. Yeah, yeah. we all, we all uh, benefit from it. Yeah, it's, uh, but it's not, yeah, kind of, yeah, it's, and um, just to, I, I don't know if that's the end of it, but um, um, Ben answered Matt, what I quoted before, said, Matt, uh, thanks, you, thanks for reaching out. We believe in WordPress and we fully support the project. We believe like WordPress in democratizing, democratizing yep. the web and adding value to the community, working together to do so. I'd be happy to discuss this further if you'd like to jump on a call. So that's how both left it. And I think the call will help will happen um, in due time. But um, mm. I think that it's just that part, Elementor was ne never a sponsor on a WordCamp uh, until WordPress, uh, Word, WordCamp USA 2019. Yeah, so all these years, they have not been part of the community at all. And I think it's a learning experience to kind of see the, the, the give and take between business and community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. There's so much yeah, in some this. Some lovely points. Yeah. yeah really yeah, I nice. mean, the article itself Thank was you. one of those nuanced articles that some people can just read it and say, there's nothing there. There's nothing. Why does right. this even exist? Right. But the, there is some good stuff there. There is like a lot of depth to why Ben Pines and Matt Mullenweg are directly speaking to each other as a result of that article. So it shows that, to me, it just shows that there's some awkward conversations and open, honest conversations that will be so beneficial for the commercial side and then the core side and to, to be had over the next year or two. So I'm really glad that uh, they're going to hopefully have a call. And um, I would love to hear it, but I, I'm sure that really it should be a private call at, least <laughs> yeah. at first. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, what it yeah. also brings to mind is, is you know, the stuff that you just said, uh, Birgit, about things like Bluehost doing things in the background with little public recognition, possibly. Um, and and the difficulty of communicating all of that to to the masses, you know, to have all of those things which are going on on a voluntary basis um brought to the attention of everybody you know how much work has been put in how many hours who did it which companies paid for this and which companies paid for that it's difficult it's really difficult mm. and it just adds to the complexity of the whole thing yeah uh, you, Andrea, yeah. yeah good i was just going to say when you go to a WordCamp and you realize that the companies that you might have been less kind about verbally in the past are buying you all the drinks at the bar it you um <laughs> You have to you have to kind of reconsider and try and be a bit more balanced about things. And I yeah. know that I've talked to all sorts of companies at WordCamps who are sponsors and and representatives from those different companies, and just and just having those conversations while, rather than sitting in my bubble with my opinions has been 
greatly beneficial and and so that's why i think it's great like i said that if ben and matt speak that will help everyone else have a better conversation about yeah, those yeah. sort of things because there are two bubbles of thought on on page builders versus versus um the block editor but um i wanted to um sidestep slightly into the uh the article that we haven't listed this week to talk about which was that article about um burnout and harassment from um mika, mika. Yeah, I don't know Mika's surname, but um, so have you Mika got the title is... of that piece? Because I I haven't got it on the screen Mika this Epstein. week. Um, sorry, just mm. the, the the so that we could Google it and look it up. What, what I read it yesterday, and frankly, when I finished reading this piece, I was a little. I didn't really know what to do with mm. myself. I was a, quite a bit angry. I think it was the right. I mean, word. the summary of it is that some years ago, uh, Mika, who's one of the leads, I think, in the plugin review team, as far as I could gather, um, had to make a tough decision after many warnings to remove someone and their products from the market, from from the repository, the the, uh, the WordPress repo. And back then, there wasn't any anonymity. Anonymity. Uh, Oh, Practice for next week. I, I can <laughs> say specificity. <laughs> there we go. So you know what so I'm saying. The- um, so, but and as a result, Mika has been harassed for over two years by this individual, and um, and I know that that's not necessarily related to any of the things that we were talking about yeah, earlier yeah, around. Yeah, you know, yeah, Gut- Gutenberg a totally and that. Different level, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally different level, but it, it just br- brought me back to that point I was making earlier, uh, Birgit. You, you know the core team way better than most of the people listening to this this show. You would probably find that most of the people listening to this show would start siding towards the whole Elementor side of the argument because that's the bubble that most of us are in. Um, but I just wondered, that was obviously a really extreme case. But as for the rest of the team, and all the, you know, uh, how, how are they? Are they, because I know they're overworked. Are they okay? They're, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. yeah, they're good spirits and what they're building. Yeah, and good. Uh, as, as far as I can say, um, I think the, the Mika talked about her, um, that, interaction that he has with a plugin, but it's not just a, a dis- disagreement. It's the harassment, the, the the physical danger that you get in there uh, that she has experienced. And that, um, it, 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 it breaks my heart, yeah, pretty much. But it's, um, yeah, everybody has, um, with a normal disagreement, you have, you, you, you build thick skin, you, you kind of know that's a valid point from the other perspective and you try to neg- negotiate that in a compromise. But there is no compromise. There is no, there is no good or bad. There's only bad. Yeah? And um, having that personally experience, I, I don't know how she can take it, but she's a, uh, she's a very strong woman and she has been in community a building for all her internet life pretty much um uh and she is a it's a beacon of um uh generosity and a, a beacon of oh, it's not that bad it was my fault kind of yeah this kind of thing mm-hmm. if i mm-hmm. communicate if i don't communicate clearly people can misunderstand me and then i make it clear yeah it's kind of yeah we talk yeah as long as we talk there's no problem yeah and that's pretty much how the whole community is built but the 
um, the harassment is a totally different level. It has nothing to do with anything that uh, Mika has done, the plugin team has done, or anybody else in the community has done. That's just evil. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I've put it on the screen, but for those of you that uh, are listening to this after the fact, it's, um, it's over at halfelf.org forward slash 2021 forward slash when dash it's dash not dash burnout. And it, the article's just called When It's Not Burnout. And... Um, I'm used to reading WordPress articles that that are just you know it's about a plugin or a feature or something, and this was really not that. Um, and I came out of this feeling, I've, like I said, I don't know if it was anger or just sort of shame or whatever it was. I just felt so sad that this could have even occurred. It's a really interesting read. Caveat emptor, it might pull your heartstrings a little bit, um, but it is a story worth reading, and it's certainly th this stuff. We need to protect these people. Um, there needs to be a mechanism. Like, as an example, if, if this was happening in the workplace, there would be some kind of, I imagine, duty of care for your employer to make sure that this was at least addressed and made right. But in this scenario, there isn't, there isn't any mechanism particularly to make this right. There is only just sort of stepping away and backing down or just keeping going and using up your own reserves, which eventually yeah. will get depleted. Um, mm. Yeah, Mika made a point to say, okay, maybe we are now at the point with the internet where we kind of have to take off our uh, yeah, pink glasses and say, okay, can we build software where um, harassment can be avoided? Yeah, like uh, Twitter took two to ten, <laughs> I don't know, six years to um, shut down accounts that harass women yeah. on um, on the platform, or um, yeah, harassed uh, black Twitterers um, in America, or yeah, any of that, um, and they because they always went went to free speech. This is not free speech. Uh, this is harassment, and that needs to be shut down. And um, a lot of women have not gotten any communication back from Twitter. So are we and the internet building software to? How can we prevent these things? Yeah, it's not, it's not so much the anonymi uh, an uh, anonymity. <laughs> this is my fault. Ruining yeah. the word for you. Blame, blame all of them, Paul. <laughs> um, but it's it's also how do we create co online communities in the comments, or yeah, do we have um, things that we can do to avoid harassment, be it on Facebook, be it on Twitter, be it on an Instagram or wherever, yeah, to shut this down and not reveal yeah, um, personal information too much or yeah. uh, hook it up with other things uh, that can be followed up. Yeah. I feel it's a really difficult circle to square because mm -hmm. my, my impression is that you know, most of the people that I know behave themselves online and their their persona online is directly related to how they behave in the real world. That, that just seems to be the people that I'm surrounded by. But I'm also keenly aware that there are people, millions of people online who just behave entirely differently. So they get on a computer and they fully think it's their right to just just write whatever they like, you know, just drop a bomb and clear off. Um, and yep. be incendiary and be insulting and you know it's just and I don't know how we solve that other than closing off comments or walking away or just you know backing off like the, the worst possible outcome here was that Mika would just see this as 
I can't cope with this anymore. My my work with WordPress is done because I don't want to be associated with this. And if I go to a, a real world event and I'm worrying that this person might actually be in attendance and they've threatened me and I don't want to be threatened in the real world, let alone online. You know, you can see people just dropping off projects like WordPress at a time yep. when we when we need yep. them probably more than ever. Wow. Good it is a good story. Yeah. Paul, this is a this is like no other episode I've ever had, is it? This is really interesting. Mm, I knew this was going to be a good one, mm. to be honest. But um, so, I mean, if you if you like articles um, about the the tension between community and WordPress uh, businesses, Andrea Middleton actually um, post. Andrea Middleton is the chair, or was long time a community team lead, and is now working with a contributor. Um, for contributor experience on the meta team. And she has uh, an, an article doing business in WordPress missed opportunities. And as part of the community team, she always worked also with the com uh, global sponsors and with the sponsors on WordCamps. And so she has a, a, a direct um, connection with the businesses that are in WordPress and how to be together. And it, it takes it off that one elemental thing. It's more a, a general general article about it, how to approach um, doing business in WordPress and also supporting the community and um, pushing in the same direction and make it um, synergetic. Uh, it's a, a great article, yes. Uh, heads, oh, thank you. Heads off yeah. to Andrea. She's all, mm. uh, when I grow up, I want to be like Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> Have a <laughs> That's huge great. respect for her. Yeah. Oh, lovely. I will make, I'll make sure to put that as well as the um, the half elf one from Mika in the in the show notes so that anybody listening to this has an opportunity mm. to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Um Nathan, I, I think we should skip to Editor Plus, to be honest. Okay. I don't yeah, know let's, what you think. let's miss out. Yeah, let's miss a few out because we've spent a little yeah. bit of time. We've got six articles which we're going to cover. So we'll probably just make it just trim it down to three or four or something like that. So yeah. uh skipping one out, we'll go to this one then. This is um if you're on the screen, you can see an article on WP Tavern by Justin Tadlock entitled Editor Plus 2.6 Adds Block Pattern and Template Library. This is 1st of March uh, 2021. And there's, um, it's, a, it's a product by Munir Kamal, who I think ha has – Justin's really – enjoying the work of Munir. Munir seems to be producing content at a breathtaking rate around the block editor, this editors plus editor plus plugin. And in the recent past, he came up with this way of bringing over templates for pre-built sections of websites from a, a thing called Gutenberg Hub. And it was, a, it was a, a valiant effort, but it relied on this copying and pasting of files, which probably took a matter of seconds, but there was... There was friction there. There was a, an impediment to making it work really, really easily. And so money has gone away, and it sounds like uh, being slightly prodded by Justin over the over the ensuing period. Justin's asking him, when are you going to do this? And uh, Munir's, well, it'll come. And here we are. So we've got this template library. And this is really interesting because I, I feel it speaks to the article that we started out with, which is the Elementor thing. So... Justin, and I'm going to quote because I feel it really does bear quoting. He said, uh, the overlay. So there's a you click a button 
And in Gutenberg at the moment, you're constrained by the sidebar on the left. Everything kind of happens over there or the sidebar on the right, and it's very narrow. Um, Munir's take on this, and you can see it on the screen, is to basically have a full screen modal on desktop. I'm not sure how this will work on mobile, but it enables you to see really a, a very full featured image of what you're about to get if you import this layout. Um, and there's a whole bunch of them side by side, three three columns and so on. And then if you, a bit like in the, well, I won't go into that, but you click on one that you, that you most like the look of and it, it gets bigger so you can really see the size of it. And basically what Justin's saying is this feels like a really nice, takeaway and it, it this kind of feels like it has been borrowed from page builder so we're back to that initial you know this this the cycle of everybody helping each other out maybe things that page builders do actually can feed back to the core project and he says uh, the overlay screen that appears after clicking the library button allows users to select a pattern or template this method is becoming increasingly common amongst amongst block related plugins where the gutenberg project has fallen behind in its ui patterns plugin authors are filling the gaps and creating better user experiences and then he goes on to mention uh, genesis blocks and but for my part, I could mention a whole bunch of other people that are doing this. But it just looks like a really nice project. Go and um, if you want to go and see see more about how it works, you can install patterns, templates, and so on um, right inside the block editor. And, and they look really nice. And so now we don't have any friction. You just click buttons, and you're done. Um, and yeah, that's all I have to say about that. It looks like a nice piece of work. I actually contacted Manir this week. I'm hoping that at some point, we'll be able to uh, to have him on because one of his one of his things for this year is to go more onto camera. So let's hope we can get him on. <laughs> he's agreed. He's going to come on. That's oh sure. so, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the. I think um, th this is what's going to happen. Third parties will get on board, and they will build out better user experiences that the people who want to pay for premium stuff aren't yet prepared to dive in because they're used to people who are used to premium experiences that are geared for their needs and as a result they pay for it are used to a certain level of customization targeted at them paying and this is what's going to happen and i saw something similar with uh, dovey's uh, redux product that mm -hmm. had an overlay where you could kind of choose templates i could see uh, nathan and i we were just talking just before the show about if this is a user interface that works and the gutenberg project has to stick with how it's doing it there might be like a reason like accessibility or something that that you know i'm, I'm imagining that accessibility puts a a, a, a lot of um challenges that the the team has to try and work around but some people will just say i just want it to work like this this product does it i'll buy it and there you go their user experience is good and their workflow is good and suddenly um all the doubters might be getting right on board with it so well done again uh munir because uh you're doing some great work that yeah. everybody seems to be appreciating and it seems to be that, that um munir's work is appreciated unanimously so you can imagine the people at, just to name them again, Elementor looking at this and going, ooh, that's a bit of a threat. What, you know, what's possible here? And then the people in the core team going, that's a nice idea. And then, you know, some some kind of 
good ideas coming out of this. I'm, I'm mumbling mm. now. I'll stop. No, that's all right. That's okay. Yep. <laughs> you got anything you want to say on that, Birgit? Oh, I think you've muted. That's probably what the problem is there. Yeah. I, the problem is yeah. uh, I was muted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also muted because the la landscaping people came around and do the mowing the grass in front of my window. So uh, oh, we've <laughs> all got problems this week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yes, Munir Kamal does awesome work in the uh, uh, block editor sphere and he has done, since the beginning, uh, Gutenberg Hub and Gutenberg Times pretty much came up at the same time um, as our website um, geared towards the block editor. And But he's a developer and he does a lot of great work. Yeah, Editor Plus, he also has um, a plugin. Uh, the Gutenberg forms, where he uses the mm -hmm. Gutenberg interface to also be a page uh, form builder, um, which is uh, uh, quite nice and um, does its work. And we actually looked at, a, in a different open source project, we actually looked at that and maybe we can um, uh, work with him together. Um, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, so heads off. Um, mm -hmm. The Gutenberg team is experimenting with models um, on the preferences. You see in the new yep. uh, version of it, there's a preferences model um, coming up um, to actually test it for accessibility and also how uh, users are actually using it because um, some of them feel that uh, people get lost when they get this whole full page overlay uh, in terms of the normal site owner that all of a sudden is, has a break in interface um, and does not know what, yeah, how to go back and how to kind of, so that these are the things. And full site editing hasn't been released yet. So you cannot just kind of say, okay, that's the interface we are aiming for when you don't have the underlying um, software yet in place. It's kind of hard. So yeah. Um, that's all I wanted to say about it. That's okay. That's okay. We have um, we <clears throat> Spencer has joined us. All right. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Good morning. I, or I've got a feeling morning, that, um, that Hi, the Brigitte. Clock... Am I saying that right, Brigitte? Beer good. Yeah, it's like beer and good. Like nice to meet good. you. <laughs> nice to meet you, Spencer. Are, yeah. Are you also in the UK? Are yes, I'm in to... Florida. Oh, okay. Terrific. And Paul, nice to meet you in person. I've listened to you for a while, but never had the chance to meet you yet. Um, Spencer, Spencer, I, I Spencer. would I would say just very quickly, in case you're under any illusions, we've actually been we've actually been live for 57 minutes. Um, you, no. You've yes, you've, <laughs> you've you've got your um, you've got your timings and in the UK modelled up with I don't know maybe it's daylight saving or something. So we're sort of about oh, well, there you probably go. about yeah probably about two thirds of the way through it. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. I did say at the very outset that I suspected that it would be that you may well hop on after an hour because we, things like this happen all the time uh, but it's fine don't worry <laughs> you know what I, I and, and honestly i'll take it uh, i'm sorry to interrupt your flow by the way but i'll take acceptance if that's the case but i just use your automatic calendaring and it just shows up at the time so oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. i expected there might be some issue with that but uh yeah. well, I, yeah. well never mind never mind we're, we're here if you're prepared <laughs> to sort of dive in at the point at which we've got to that'd be lovely if you've got another that would be terrific and i'm yeah, very great. very sorry about that i hope no, maybe no. I'll, get a, I'll get a remake on this one this is not this is not the kind of show where uh yeah people <laughs> people get like uh i don't know there's no bad mouthing let's put it that way <laughs> i'll tell you where we're at though we've we've been talking a little bit about elementor we spent about 40 minutes talking about the the elementor article that I linked to in our show notes. And then we've we've just been talking 
about um, Editor Plus, which Mania Kamal has been working right. on really well over the last period. Um, do you think, Paul, we'd probably reach the end of that one? Should we move on to something else? Do we move yeah. on to the Alexa one? Uh, just okay. to say, yeah, if you um, want to hear uh, Spencer's opinions on the article about um, Elementor, then go and check out the Dory P. Tonic uh, panel show from about a week ago yeah because uh you gave your opinion on that one so if you want another angle um, sure then uh, then go and go and listen to that that because I, I listened to you talking about that one spencer and um and and i have to say me and nathan were a bit worried that you and and uh, beergit were a long <laughs> way apart in your opinion so so uh, it's put my mind at rest that you weren't there actually for the for, for the beginning because I was a bit worried. But um, I'm also particularly glad that you're here because we're going to talk about web vitals in a minute, and um, and I was wanting to push that one to you because I don't know much about it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so well, Nathan, you do you what, want to carry on where yeah, we got I'll, to? I'll then? tell you what. Number four on our little list of possible articles this week was uh, I don't I rarely do this, but I am actually going to. Pr- use a piece on WP Builds as the mechanism for introducing this, just because it, it coincides. And I thought this was really interesting. So we had a podcast episode which came out last week. It was episode 219. It was with Christian Pestroke. And I'm I'm really sorry, Christian, if I've just butchered your name. Um, and it was all about creating Alexa skills. He's got this plugin, Shoutworks, which enables you to... Well, it feels to me like this may be the first forays into something... That word, where WordPress can enable voice-activated things. There are possibly projects that I don't know about that do all this kind of thing already. But the the purpose of this, in short, is to is to create an Alexa skill. Now, I'm sorry if me saying that word, I should probably use a different word instead of the word beginning with A, because I don't know if it's triggering anybody's devices. <laughs> but the the idea is that you would you would authorize your device to alert you when, let's say, a blog, in this case WP Builds or WP Tonic or whatever it might be, had produced new content. And you would you would authorize it and say, look, whenever there's a new podcast episode or a new blog episode, or let's say it's a WooCommerce store or something like that, whenever there's a, I don't know, a 15% reduction on something, or you've got a new product line or something, just just shout at me, just yell at me and interrupt my time and go for it. And I, I personally probably wouldn't want that kind of stuff switched on just because I've got kids and, you know, we're trying to trying to just sort of go through a normal day and any kind of interruption like that with homeschooling as we've got at the minute would be pretty pretty bad but i could also see where i'd want to be told about this like you know breaking news would be of real interest to me i would want to know personally i would want alexa uh, done it again to kind of pop in and tell me when something had happened of significance on a particular blog we're always mentioning wp tavern so just somebody Nathan, there's a new WP Tavern article you should go and check out. But it also feels like the very beginnings of this thing. The the voice in the future, I feel, is going to be a, a big growth area. I, I fully expect that teenagers will, you know, we think Google is marvelous because we can type things in and it look how great it, it can tell us all these things. My kids, they now find their interface clunky. They speak to the device in the kitchen and they want to do more and more of that. And they don't want to go and boot up a thing. They want to just say it. 
And so I feel that this is just such a growth area. So anyway, go and check that podcast episode out. It is it is just about that particular plugin. But I was raising this as a subject for the future, whether whether our WordPress websites are going to be voice activated in the future. So anyway, the floor is yours. Tell us what you think. Anybody got any opinions? Well, I have an ongoing public relationship with three different female avatars. And we can't say the name, but it's <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, don't do it. And, yeah. and S, and then there's the other one with a K or a C, sorry. Uh, I can't say any of their names because they're very jealous when I speak of their names. But the point is still <laughs> that I see already in WordPress that we're moving towards conversations of headless WordPress. Yeah. It doesn't take a big stretch of the imagination to see that we're just moments away from breaking open the, the metaphor of looking at a screen using a keyboard into other things. Uh, there was a conversation we we're having this week about, you know, the clubhouse. And at the same time, we also delved into what does this mean in terms of things that we've also got, like AI, that allow you to digitize or synthesize your entire voice and inflection, which I've already done through a free service in beta. You have these animated um, AI capabilities where you could take a still image of somebody. And it literally, I did this with my grandfather this week and animate them and so forth. So when you put it all together, it means, in my opinion, we're very close to the idea that people below our generation will no longer think of the keyboard and the screen as a primary way of interacting with the outside right. world or the internet. Right. It's just, right, it's the horse and buggy. Um, in terms of this particular one, the, my friend with the A, um, there's a lot of comedy on TV, right? Jimmy Kimmel was making a joke about it, how he, he reflected on saying that word and like a million people had the, uh, some kind of product ordered, right? His book or something. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the whole wrapping it up thing is it's fascinating. I don't think we can ignore that there's a possibility of using something with your WordPress or other website that interacts yeah. with that. But the question is, how close do you come to useful but not annoying versus completely annoying and it drives people around the bend? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, on my browser i've kind of switched notifications off because that became annoying uh it's it, that that little thing that just pops it really gets my eye every time it's there my eye is totally i cannot ignore it so i've basically switched all of those off and i can feel that there is a very very thin line to tread here between you know uh, let, let's say a, a a product company which was literally discounting prices 12 every second you know, there's no way that I want to be informed about that. Some kind of summary, some kind of buy-in, some kind of actually, this is too much. Put them away for a week, or give me half as many, or something like that. And, and actually, let, me, let me interrupt you. I'm sorry for that, but one other thing that also comes to mind is: Have you all noticed? Because I've run experiments. We talk about this. It's confirmed. Um, maybe I have two, three, four, five, six devices around the house that are clearly listening without my permission to words being spoken and or typed on the screen. Now, how do you know this? Just do an experiment right now. Say the name of some crazy product that you've never needed or wanted. I'm a house full of all males. If I were to name some non-male related product, all of a sudden my browser, mobile and otherwise, is littered with advertisements for that. And so if you combine all of that together with the last bit, you start to realize the scary implications of this is you literally can have a nonstop intrusive spying machine in exchange for what is otherwise right now a really super convenient thing. I mean, we do use our 
a device for playing music and what time is it, what's the weather and da da da. But with the moving camera, the listening in, the ability to capture and store our voices and repurpose that into some avatar outsider control. I mean, you, you start to get real science fiction stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really amazed that uh, now the American public is aware about the privacy implications and giving all the data to businesses. Um, but then in Europe, it's going to be a really be, uh, a harder market. Yeah. Um, I, I, I understand that America does not have the concept of privacy about your personal information. Yeah, you can go on the property appraisal site and know the, uh, the person who owns own the houses around you and what they paid 15 years ago. Um, you, uh, when you have a traffic ticket, um, you get inundated with um, advertising from traffic school. Um, because that is public information. Um, you know who registered Democrat or Independent or Republican in any community, and you can get the information from the supervisor of elections. Um, yeah, there is no privacy and um, in the United States, and the concept of it is at a, something really foreign. Um, so, well, if I don't have anything to hide, yeah, I... I give them my data and it's uh there's this um and coming from europe 20 years ago yeah, or from germany it was really a hard concept to to grasp and uh, uh we use alexa and um oh here i did mrs a <laughs> and mrs a and g uh in our house we have both devices because we're both working with electronics and and uh internet but all we do is kind of ask them okay um, set a timer for our eggs or something like, or my tea, right. or, or play uh, one set of music. Yeah, but the rest of it, we know they are listening. But it's it's something that, um, yeah, I would not want to push forward, um, especially those notifications. Uh, not only on my phone or on my computer, I have switched off all notifications uh, because it takes me out of the deep flow creative work, um, and I've never get back to it because it takes me 20 minutes to get back to that focus again. And mm. I, th I think it's it's um, the generations who embrace it, or even my generation, well, I talk about my generation, I'm young, right? Um, <laughs> um, we, we are so diverted with our attendance, uh, uh, yeah, uh, paying attention that we lose our, um, our brilliance, in effect, yeah, because we are interrupted all the time. And yeah. So, that, that's a good point because lately, if you've gone on a social media fast or tried it, which is very difficult, I've tried it at a limited extent. I mean, I'm an avid reader, always have been, but I found over the last couple of years that the skill of reading has waned. And I literally, over the you know the last year, like all of us at home, had to make in the home stretch here a conscious effort to shift gears. And it, it was like learning a skill that I hadn't used for a long time all over Wait, again. Mm, yeah. um, but the, the takeaway for me is, and, and I see this happening for many people, is that every technology sort of goes that full bell curve cycle. And I feel like we're really on the tail end, for those of us who were here at the beginning when it was novel, of complete exhaustion and burnout of having 24-7 exposure to being interrupted. Um, as a marketer, I see that in the way that we use email for automation. In the past, somebody would have said, oh, give me your email and I'll send you 65 follow-up drip content emails to 
know how to do this. If somebody did that to you today, you would, yeah, you'd be like, you'd go away fast. So I, I think that we're going to see a trend towards the opposite, which is a return towards more intimate one-to-one -one human relationships in a world where AI becomes the wall of prevalence. You will more cherish and value those. You're really a person, right? And I'm really going to have a talk with you. With, with the we we have the the Google side of things. We've just exclusively got the Google products, and it's quite interesting that over time, it's definitely become more more intelligent. But at the moment, we're using it for really utilitarian things. So it's like Big. It said, you know, it's set a timer for two minutes. It is what is the capital of multiply this by that. Just something which is you can you can achieve it more quickly. And it's kind of binary. It's just one thing or the other. But I, I feel that when, which it inevitably will, the inexorable rise of technology, when it becomes able to carry out more complicated things, like, I don't know, um, what should I eat for dinner tonight? And the, somehow the, the fridge is also supplying information to Google about the contents of your drawers in your fridge. <laughs> At some point, it becomes useful in and of itself not because it can supply a simple answer to a capital city question, but because actually enhancing your life and take, stripping away things which are boring and dull and what have you. But uh, in equal measure, that terrifies me. I never want that moment to arrive, but I feel it's coming. Yeah, I think uh, this is the, if anyone's seen that film, uh, the Disney film, Wally. Yes. It's, yeah, if yes. anyone's seen that. And, yes. what, and what we end up being as a human race is... <laughs> kind of lazy slobs then the ai does everything for us and knows what we need and we we basically lose everything i hope that we go in the other direction staying in science fiction and become one of those academic super races from <laughs> from that you would see in star trek uh that have, have evolved beyond this and that and uh but yeah i'm worried for our children you know that that generation really because they didn't see the change they just they just wake up and you know they get to a certain age and they want the phone and they want the laptop and this kind of thing and uh and they're, they're accepting everything that is getting thrown of them uh, as normal and their yep. friends will their friends will back that up as well because yep. the products create cool things around the stuff that manipulates your life whether that's social media or tiktok or whatever so i i'm kind of hopeful that that um I won't need to worry about them and that at some point there will just be a exhaustion revolution and just and the younger generation will just go we were brought up into this and it's absolute joke i'm not doing it i'm not doing it yeah. and i think that there will be you know because young people like to revolt they like to rebel against things and i think at some point um it, it probably works better on us than it will on them in the long run I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. It's quite interesting. I, I, I like to think about it sometimes. And where I get is when I was a child, if you wanted to, if you wanted to find something out, you really had to work at it. Um, like, so for example, I don't know, here's a, here's a picture of a butterfly. What is it? Oh, good grief. Right. So off to the library we go and you have to get on your bike and go and sift through a hundred books. Most of it is complete and utter dead ends and folly. And there's, there's something in that. Whereas, whereas the children, are, and, and I am literally not making the point of you, oh, it's easy for you these days. <laughs> That's not it. The, the point is that they're, they're raised in an environment where the acquisition of knowledge is trivial. 
it, they don't have to try to to learn a new fact. That stuff is freely available. The, the diff, I think the new thing for them is what do they do with it? What do you do with all this knowledge? Where do you put it? Can you can can you can you make sense of it, or is it just total overload? I mean, I, I couldn't be overloaded with information because I only had a certain amount of bicycle time and library time. Um, whereas now you could find out everything that I could find out in a year in a matter of hours. And and I think it's just a different paradigm that they're living in. Kids have got to deal with all that sort of stuff. But yeah, hopefully I, we don't I, get fat. I have an interesting anecdote to that, which is I always wonder what it would have been like to live maybe 50 to 100 years ago from the standpoint of compression of time. So, for example... I used to be in the real estate business and we develop a lot of older buildings into new housing. And I found a stack of postcards that were from the turn of the century. Now, imagine back then you wanted to communicate with somebody who was only 50 miles away. You would write them a letter or a postcard. Yeah. Somebody on a horse would come take it and you would expect a turnaround of a week to three weeks for one paragraph of information. When I started in uh, my younger years practicing law, we would research books that were historically around for some time with precedent, but we'd go into a big musty library, research things, write a letter, and you would expect even with modern postal service, it was a week one way and a week back, which gave you two weeks to interact with the other side. In the time when I was practicing law in the early 90s, fax machines came online, which compressed that down to a matter of a day or so, which was revolutionary. I imagine now, if you practice law actively, I still have a license, but I don't practice, you know, there's the instantaneous demand of, I just texted you one minute ago and you have not responded to this thing. Right. Same thing, same thing for the, the, like you experienced. When I was a kid, I was a voracious, uh, I built model airplanes and I researched things and I would love getting on my bike, going to the library and digging through these old things. The new stuff was a magazine. Oh, I can't wait for next month when that magazine comes out. But nevertheless, the problem I see in my kids, and it won't get better, it will just evolve, is that we had a limited like, flow of information in a very specific way that you had to work to get. And your expectation was, it's going to take a while. So you had all yeah. this time to fill with contemplating the world and learning cursive handwriting and so forth. Kids today, they need instant everything. But the problem with when you're in a world where instant everything and unlimited everything exists, nobody can concentrate on anything. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's the downside of all of this. And I worry for myself and my, my kids' generation that it's nice to not have to think about going shopping or to physically do certain things or having Amazon come to me. But at the same time, I can feel the difference that I have zero concentration unless I put my mind to it. And I only can do that because I had a history of doing it. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm, you know, I don't know what will happen in future generations. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, history always does seem to go in cycles, doesn't it? You know, some new idea comes along and then the, then there's the rebellion. You know, you've got the 1960s and then the punks come along just to kill it all um, and move, move. And, and, uh, but I do I do wonder if there's a reaction against this and whether it will come from the young people or the old well, people I, I think it's going to be utilitarian yeah? when you look at mm. uh, people who uh, protest on climate change they're young people, they have done something really useful with that flow of information they get access to the scientists, they can read it, they, the critical thinking uh, is actually going to be involving and, but we need to listen to the young kids 
to those who are building the future. Look at uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, the uh, young founders of that, they couldn't have been possible without social media or the, the whole interest of not only the black community um, saying what they said for the last 50 years, but now the white uh, American community kind of seeing it and being um, an ally to them and really forcing uh, changes. Um, of course, could also backlash, but um, yeah, I think if the, the supremacist white get any smarter, then we have to worry. But uh, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a different uh, environment, how to, what you do with the information. Yeah? And um, I'm uh, back to yeah, what Spencer said. Yeah? I, I actually appreciate the single purpose device of a book. Yeah, I can sit on a lanai and and read that book without any distractions because there is no button to click where I can see the weather or the news or something like that on my book. It's all about the book. The same thing yeah, with um, COVID. I went to back to actually, you, my, my husband and I, we are averse to phone conversations. We do it all on the email or per text. And... Um, but we went back to, uh, except with our parents, yeah, when we call Europe, yeah, we talk on the phone and we have been for the last 20 years. There's no, no video communication or something like that. And I go back to that because I, the phone is the only thing that gets me away from the computer and I can walk around the house with the phone. How cool is that? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and talk to somebody without having to use my eyes that hurt at the end of the day. So I, I think it's, um, it's really, yeah, you're all right with it. It's a cycle, but it, I think it's also that you, humanity uh, will evolve with that flow of information. Um, the older generation had a hard time disseminating fact from fiction or the fake news part. Um, studies have shown that those who amplified the fake news in America were actually 65 and older because they are before... 20 years of knowledge is that only the good information made it to the internet yeah, and not the bad one. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So um, they amplified that because they just saw the headline and said, well, it's a news site. It must be true. Trusted. And that, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the young kids are not that. So you can trust that. Did you look that up? I had this conversation quite a bit yeah, with uh, younger kids that, or yeah, young professionals that are in our local um, meetups. And it was very interesting to listen to, to, to uh, the, the young professionals that are in their early 30s to kind of say, you can't trust that. Did you verify that? It, it's, so it's kind of a, a, a cycle of that. Yeah. I think the person that invents the algorithm, which <laughs> like that's possible, um, that kind of adjudicates trust for us and can stick a badge on, on the, the Twitter post or something that says, actually, this is true. This is totally true. Uh, is is going to do quite well. Uh, well, there is a, um, a plugin out there. It's called WordProof, right? Yes, yes, we spoke about it. Did we speak about it on when the show was live already? Yeah, um, yeah it's great, did, yeah. great endeavor. Yeah. yeah, really nice yeah. idea. We actually interviewed him on the podcast. If you go back in our archives, you can look search for WordProof. It's really interesting endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. I think the social media aspect of things and the profiles of human beings um we'll have to take a shift forward towards you must be this one actual person. You know, we allowed for us to have avatars and, and fake profiles. 
And I think we've reached the saturation point on that in many aspects, and we're seeing the results of it. So when this thing evolves to the next level where we're no longer staring at screens and it's a quaint notion of kids today, oh, you know, like we talk about calligraphy or something. Oh, remember back when people used quill pens and an inkwell and stuff, right? Ha ha, that used to be normal. Well, looking at a screen and so forth with an avatar is going to be a quaint notion. You'll probably have some kind of a biometric device that identifies you as you, and that will be you everywhere. And that'll be the only way that we'll be able to have some validity to what we do. But at the same time, the trade-off for that is going to be these privacy concerns because to participate in that system, clearly everything will be known about what you're doing, where, when, and why. So that would require a significant regulatory oversight. And, and there's just so many things to contemplate. But if you look at science fiction, uh, we don't see in the Star Wars or Star Trek or other universes people literally looking at screens with keyboards. And I don't think that's likely to be our future either. I think it's going to no, be more... Well, it'll just be, you know, it be minority report, just great big screen. <laughs> like minority report, right? I mean, minority report is the, or Blade Runner is another example where you know there's sentient-looking beings that are moving around that are autonomous, but are also not you know human beings. And so, it's fascinating. It's inevitable. It's not like we're going to avoid it. But I did watch a very interesting David Attenborough show. Um, he was reflecting upon the world. And one of the things that was nice about it was, although it had a real scary angle because we've overpopulated and destroyed 65% of the natural world, his optimistic outlook, and I think that's what I see here, is that we still can change things by going over the top of the bell curve down to the bottom or turning back to like younger people are, and I think many of us feel is necessary, returning to, okay, we did that. We overdid it. We had our binge moment of 40, 50 years with the baby boomers, let's return to, with technology, with our society, becoming less of a footprint, less of an intrusive thing into the real nature world. And that's where the technology works to our favor. You know, we can have more compact lifestyles, simpler lifestyles, and let the real world be natural again and visit it as a part of what we're doing conscientiously instead of just steamrolling the whole thing. So... Um I'm, I'm going to have to move this along because time is really running out on us. Um, this has been fascinating. Paul, yeah, do, you, do, totally Paul do, do you do you mind if I don't do the story about Google's no. core web vitals? No, you don't do it. Not no, even I'm glad, slightly. I'm glad we can drop that one. I'm <laughs> but, totally but I, unprepared yeah, on that yeah, particular that's that's article. Ideal. So. However, I did want to surface this one because it it kind of feels almost it jibes with what, um, what Spencer was just saying. So last thing, nothing to do with WordPress. I, I feel that we've strayed off WordPress quite a lot this week, which has been an absolute absolute pleasure it's been nice to go in a different direction this this just hit me in the face this week i could not make sense of this um this is an article on the bbc i'm going to assume that it's true um and it is called it's entitled bitcoin consumes more electricity than argentina i'm, I'm just going to preface how this works so if you want a bitcoin you have to solve a maths problem and the maths problem you can't work it out you just guess it and every time you guess there's a chance that you're right and there's a chance that you're wrong every time a new piece every time a new bit is added to the blockchain the puzzle gets harder so now it's extraordinarily hard to guess the answer the only is brute force you have to guess trillions of times in order to do it and of course people are and i'm showing on the screen at the moment a chart a chart which just freaks me out people trying to mine bitcoin 
um, are obviously they've got their computers fully switched on, you know, working as hard as they can to guess thousands of times a second and be told no, 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 over and over again until maybe if they're lucky, they'll get a yes. And then there's a new question. But look, on this chart, we've got um, a whole bunch of countries and how much electricity they consume. It's extraordinary. There are some countries which obviously do a lot more, European countries, North America, China in particular. But I just can't take in that Bitcoin uses more of the Earth's resources than Argentina, a country of I don't know how many people, but let's say it's multiple, multiple millions. This just seems bonkers. That's all I'm saying. You know, Nathan, um, it seems that we've had quite an intellectual show today and um, we've been talking about some extremely smart people and it looks like you know we actually need to rely on humankind to save us from our own um possible problems that we cause ourselves with all this technology and i probably can we can we can segue right really nicely into one final article which is published on lots of lots of websites at the moment actually uh but i'm going to take the one from the guardian the uk uh uk newspaper the guardian um after austrian police defend the decision to find a man after he provocatively farts at them. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently their intent, their, their assumption was that he did it on purpose as an act of disrespect. So yeah. with people like this Bitcoin. around, yeah. <laughs> there's still, there's still hope for us yet. There's yeah. still hope for humankind. Oh, dear me. I just, yeah, just in Austria, actually in Vienna, I do note, this person was arrested. I see no Bernard Grenot in the comments today. I think. And it, I oh, wonder if there's any connection. Shock horror. Bernard <laughs> Grenot in fart police. Because he's incident. a bit of a rebel. Yeah. He's a bit uh, of a rebel. So who knows? Uh, yeah. Um, thank you, though, Chris Hughes, for putting me straight. O oddly, uh, Chris has the fact that there are 45 million people in Argentina, a fact that he needed the other day for some reason. Was it because you were mining Bitcoin <laughs> by any chance, was it, Chris? Uh, we, do, we know how you like a, a good project. And uh, Peter Ingersoll saying, I can't buy a GPU. for Yeah, that's it. They're all, they're yeah, all being... Xboxes, yep. PlayStation yeah. 5s. So um, uh, there's there's only there's only a certain amount that can be made, isn't there? Um, I know. GPUs. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Beer listens to this week in in uh, Google, like I do, and they were saying on that podcast the other week, maybe it was last week, that uh, a significant production, uh, sorry, a significant facility in the production of chips is just the diodes, and there's a great big factory in Japan, like huge, that produces mm -hmm. the, the base parts for lots of microchips, and it burnt to the ground a few months ago. And yeah. that, that's that's making the problem uh, significantly worse. So yeah. anyway, there we go. So <sighs> there's also malware that hijacks botnets, yeah, computer networks to mine bitcoins. So yeah, yes. that's where the world yep. comes to. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was a thing about about two years ago, wasn't it? You know, you could you could stumble across a website and it would start consuming your. Uh, I mean, not a great deal in the case of a browser, but it was, you know, if you did it over 2 million browsers, 2 billion browsers, and probably a little bit of JavaScript goes a long way if you've got millions and millions <laughs> and millions of people doing it for you. It feels to me like the Bitcoin thing at the moment is is really fascinating. And there's obviously a lot of people who've made a lot of money in the more recent past, but it also seems like when you, when you put articles like that up, where it's just a, a, a pit for the Earth's resources... 
it kind of puts a different complexion on it for me. I, I, I think we're not we're not seeing the end of this because if you look at a disruptor, and I, I like to look at of all the billionaire entrepreneurs, uh, Elon Musk is the most disruptive, and I think in a positive way. I do love Amazon, but I can't figure out why Jeff Bezos doesn't seem as fascinating and interested in helping the world as his ex-wife is. But Elon Musk seems genuinely interested, even in a sort of weird, you know, unusual way of doing better, more interesting things for humankind. So if you look at Starlink, the satellite network, yeah, he, unlike other people, figured out that the people who will pay for that will be the investment community to get one millisecond faster speed by removing latency of wires, the cost of that entire network will be subsidized so that the rest of humanity will get to use it, which cracks open the monopoly and the nonsense and the lie that the cable companies have been selling you about their monopolistic hardwired cables and even the traditional satellite. But the consequence is that when the world has access to this network, and it's, again, even in poorer countries, it's subsidized with other ways so that you can have in the middle of the Serengeti or something, you know, real-time internet. Even here in Chicago, for God's sake, I can't get fast internet because the cable company's got a chokehold. That democratizes all the other potential. Well, look at what's happening when he did those solar farms, right? Um, I can't remember if it was in South Africa or which country, but it was in a, uh, an area where they, I mean, it was in Australia, excuse it me. It was Australia, yeah, yeah. They were having that huge difficulty with power outages and the, the local governments and the narrow thinking was like, oh, it can never be solved in bureaucracy. He's like, screw it comes on in, puts in the thing, bets the fact that he will save more money and make it work. Sure enough, it works perfectly. So imagine the combination of something like the Starlink solution along with solar-powered grids, battery arrays, yada, yada, yada. The whole conversation about what resources are being used goes away because Absolutely. it doesn't matter because it's right. using sun or wind or whatever. The problem we have now, which is fascinating, is, for example, California, the almond growers use up all the fresh water that comes from natural mountains, streams, and stuff. At the same time, in Israel, they have a never-ending supply of water coming out of the salty inland ocean because they've invested all their money into desalinization. Why in California, with the Pacific Ocean and unlimited desert sun, have they not done that? Politics, 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 politics. If we could just get off our rear ends and get past all of these things that are really, no offense, because I'm coming on strong on your show, are being strangled <laughs> by the baby boomer generation who are running all the politics. If like Brigitte said, if the younger generation can move up and start taking charge, I for one as a uh, Gen X in the middle of this sandwich would love it because I'm so sick of my parents' generation and what they've done to, to take everything and leave the rest of us with nothing. And the world is an amazing place. I mean, we have no limit to our resources if we're creative about it. So anyway, that was my little- It, my it feels like there's hope. There is hope, isn't there? And there it's like hope. David Attenborough was saying, you know, on his on his uh, most recent documentary, no matter, even all the terrible things that you can say, this has happened, this hasn't happened, technology and people can get through this. And, uh, and if that's yeah. the case, I think the block editor can be a success. <laughs> for sure I am sorry it, it, I'm not part of the conversation because that was, 
this this is where we end uh we're an hour and a half in and uh and that is the perfect set i love that if david attenborough says the world can be saved there's hope for the wordpress block editor thank you very much for joining us um Birgit. thank you very much paul and thank you very much spencer uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. What a what a fruity episode this was. Big, mm-hmm. it sounds like you were just about to launch into something there. You, no, you no, like it's say? okay. No, no, you, sure? you made a perfect end of the show. Yes. Okay, thank you. There's so, always hope. Yeah, indeed. There's always That's what we're going to call it. Each week I try to come up with a name for the show, and this week it's going to be There's Always Hope. So um, now we do the awkward waving where I try to press the button ending the show, but it never, StreamYard never, it's between one and ten seconds. Who knows? So I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to start waving. Let's go. Press the button. Let's go. Everybody go.